Section 23 of France in the 19th Century. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. France in the 19th Century by Elizabeth Latimer. Chapter 14. The Prussians in France. Part 1. The Prussian army was more than two weeks on the road from Sedan to Paris and Versailles, and it was just one month after the French emperor surrendered before the king of Prussia made his headquarters in the beautiful city which seems to enshrine the memory of Louis Fourteenth. On Sunday, September 18, a scouting party of three Uhlans made their appearance at the gates of Versailles. They had in fact lost their way, and stumbled unawares upon the city. However, they rode boldly up to the gate, demanded admittance, and presented themselves at the mairie, bringing terror and dismay to the inhabitants. When the maire presented himself at their summons, they demanded on what terms Versailles would surrender. He replied that he could not treat with private soldiers, but must see their officers. Quote, oh, our officers are close at hand, they replied. They are waiting with a large force in yonder woods. If you come to the gate, they will meet you there. The maire assented, and the audacious Uhlans galloped safely away. Let us hope that at their firesides in the far-off fatherland they still laugh over this unparalleled adventure. A few hours later, news was received at Versailles that fighting was going on towards the south of Paris between French troops and the Prussians, and all the inhabitants, including foreign residents, were busy in preparing supplies for the field hospitals, lint, bandages, water-cans, and pillows stuffed with torn paper. Before long, eight Prussians and an officer entered the city. They were thus described by one who saw them as they dashed up to the mairie through an excited crowd. Quote, they were small men. They had light hair, but were very thick-set. They looked very tired, and were covered with dust and with torn clothes, but they had good horses. They wore the Prussian helmet and spike, and were well armed, with a sabre on one side, and on the other a huge horse-pistol two feet long, while they carried carbines in their hands, all ready to shoot if occasion offered. But all the French soldiers had left Versailles, except a few National Guards. The inhabitants looked very sad. The women were crying, and the men looked as if they would like to. We walked on, when suddenly we saw a troop of horsemen come through an arch that spanned one of the main roads. Behind came more, and more, and more. The first were fifty Uhlans. These fellows were in blue, on horseback, very handsome. Then came some men with silver death's heads and crossbones on their caps. Then hundreds and hundreds of mounted fellows with needle-guns and sabres. Then three regiments of infantry, marching in superb time. Every five hundred men had a drum-corps and fifes playing in perfect unison. You could almost feel the ground-shake with the steady thud of their march as they tramped on. The men looked dirty and tired, but were fat, and many of them were laughing. Looking down the road as far as possible, we could still see helmets, spikes, and guns all leaning exactly the same way, and glittering in the sunshine. All the officers looked like gentlemen, with great whiskers and jolly fat faces. None of the men talked much less sang, as the French do. When these had passed, there came a splendid band of sixty pieces, playing beautifully, and then regiment after regiment of cavalry, not carrying as much nearly as the French cavalry do. Their horses were in excellent order, many of them very handsome. Lots of the soldiers were smoking great German pipes. This was the army of the Crown Prince, less than a third of those that entered the city. They passed through Versailles, only stopping to repair the roads torn up by the peasantry. Next came artillery and baggage-wagons, and carts of ammunition. More infantry, more bands, fifty pontoons on carts, more cavalry than hundreds of soldiers on peasants' carts, which they had requisitioned as they passed through the country. 
then ambulances and carts full of wounded who were brought to the hôtel des réservoirs and to the palace they began to pass at half-past one and were passing three hours and i saw just as many more going by another road where they passed till seven in the evening there seemed at times to be a hunting corps for every man would have a fat hare or rabbit or hens ducks pheasants or partridges slung on his back one man i saw with a live sheep full grown over his shoulders only four regiments of infantry one of cavalry and four batteries of artillery remained in versailles that night they camped upon the place d'armes lit fires and cooked everything was remarkable for neatness the cannon and powder carts were arranged in order in a circle horses all fastened inside the circle soldiers all sleeping round it they took off their knapsacks stacked their guns put their helmets on the top of their bayonets unrolled their greatcoats and lay down still wearing sword and pistols with their guns at arm's length thus they passed the night rain or shine they have no tents and they look as hardy and strong as lions by the time the prussians were fairly in their quarters the inhabitants of versailles seemed to take heart and to be much less frightened many french peasants could talk german and conversed freely with the prussians interpreting what they said to an eager crowd the soldiers seemed to be well fed we saw them dining on bread and cheese butter sausages and wine in the evening they were very jolly fires flickered all around the soldiers sat singing and smoking some milked cows that they had stolen and some were cooking game the formal way in which everything was done was very curious at the gate of every house where officers were quartered were two sentries and every time an officer passed, these men were obliged to go through five movements with their guns. On all the doors of all the houses the names of the officers stationed there were marked in chalk, and a field telegraph line in the streets connected every such house with the mairie. This account of the entry of the Prussians into Versailles is from the private letter of a very young man, with the eye of an artist and a keen love of music and fine horses. The letter was seen by the editor of the Nation, who requested leave to publish it the writer says further quote, i got up at seven on the morning of september twenty and went down to the place d'armes it was filled with prussian soldiers some were sleeping some were cooking some eating some grooming horses some washing cannon and all were smoking there were but two tents belonging to high officers one of these was dressing in the open air before his tent a guard paced up and down with a drawn sword when i got there he was brushing his hair and putting on his cravat while a little French boy held a looking-glass for him. He had a bright red shirt on, and riding-boots up to his hips, and silver spurs. I saw his horse brought up, a beautiful great black one. His coat was covered all over with decorations, and he had a very brilliant sword. In the other tent there were two officers writing. They had about fifty bottles of claret and champagne stacked up beside them, and a guard set over it. In a little while all was bustle, but no confusion. All the cannon and powder-carts were ranged in numerical order, the horses the same, and every bucket and every pot was numbered like the cart to which it belonged. Soon as the bugle sounded, every man jumped, and knew what he had to do. There was ringing and rattling of chains, and the horses were fastened to the cannon, the soldiers gobbled their last mouthfuls, strapped on their knapsacks, and in a few minutes everything was in motion, officers giving their orders. The horses neighed, the line was formed, and off they went. That afternoon we saw some French peasants brought in. They had fired on the men who were stealing their carts, horses, and cows, and were to be shot. It was very sorrowful. We heard afterwards that the Crown Prince had pardoned them. Some noble-looking Zouave prisoners were also brought in, and the crowd cheered them. 
about one p m a squad of uhlans with long lances and black and white flags came in then came other men leading horses all very handsome belonging to the crown prince then came the royal baggage cart after cart mostly painted purple with a great gold crown but some carts had once been french one of the bands had a brass drum with the imperial eagle and three d zouaves painted on it they showed it to the bystanders and laughed we found that the crown prince was to be received at the prefecture a handsome building with a large court in front and a black and gilt grill such as they have round the palace and park we went there at once a guard of honour was drawn up in front and a full band on each side of the gate the crown prince was surrounded by a splendid staff he is quite handsome with large bushy beard and moustache he was dressed like his officers and wore a cap such as they all wear with a scarlet band but he had lots of decorations and a splendid diamond star they all had most beautiful horses and the effect was very kingly the bands played and the troops presented arms the prince rode in first then all followed him into the courtyard they took possession and the gates were closed the next day the prince left to join the king at ferrieres the palace is appropriated to the prussian wounded by september twenty three the prussians had completed their investment of paris there were only two hundred and fifty thousand men but disciplined as we can see they were by the letter i have quoted they were more than a match for the four hundred thousand disorganized and undisciplined crowd within the walls of the capital who called themselves soldiers strasbourg surrendered on the very day that the crown prince of prussia and his brilliant suite entered versailles strasbourg is the capital city of alsace and is considered the central point in the defence of the rhine frontier it has a glorious cathedral and a library unsurpassed in its collection of historical documents of antiquity it is an archbishopric and had always been defended by a large garrison with paris lyon bordeaux marseilles and rouen it had stood foremost among french cities it contained when invested twenty thousand fighting men and it was besieged at first by a corps of about sixty thousand its investment was one of the first acts of the germans on entering france strasbourg made an heroic resistance for six weeks and surrendered on the day when jules favre was assuring count bismarck that france would never repay the services of its heroic garrison by consenting to give them up as prisoners of war before its surrender it suffered six days bombardment a bombardment is far more destructive to a small town than to a city of magnificent distances like paris by september nine a week after sedan ninety-eight prussian rifled cannon and forty mortars were placed in position and directed against the walls of strasbourg while forty other pieces were to bombard the citadel by september twelve the defences of the city were laid in ruins two weeks after it surrendered the mobile and national guards being alsatians were sent to their homes the remaining five thousand men who were regular soldiers were marched as prisoners of war into germany hardly a house in strasbourg remained untouched by shells the ordinary provisions were exhausted the only thing eatable of which there was abundance was strasbourg pie pate de foie gras the year's production of that delicacy having been stored in strasbourg for exportation the famous library was greatly injured but the cathedral was not materially hurt a german who had been in hamburg during the time of the great fire assured an english reporter that the scene of desolation in the city on the morning after the conflagration was less heart-rending than that presented by the ruined quarters of strasbourg when the prussian conquerors marched in and yet the inhabitants had general ulrich been willing would have still fought on metz capitulated one month after strasbourg october twenty seventh eighteen seventy three marshals of france six thousand officers and one hundred and seventy three thousand men surrendered to the germans 
many were entirely demoralized but the garde impériale a body of picked troops was faithful to the last that a vast army which had given ample proof of military worth in the two great battles of gravelotte and which moreover possessed the support of the most important stronghold in france should have permitted a scarcely superior enemy to hem it in and to detain it for weeks making no earnest attempt to escape and finally at the conqueror's bidding should have laid down its arms without striking a blow would before the event says an english military authority have seemed impossible it set the investing force free to crush the new-made army of the loire and it occurred in the nick of time to prevent the raising of the siege of paris which the germans had in contemplation smaller places held out nobly Falsburg and alsace and thionville and toul but above all belfort garibaldi was there with a considerable body of italians and a contingent of two hundred well-armed greeks there was great jealousy of garibaldi and his italians in the southern army and their outrageous conduct towards priests and churches set against them the women and the peasantry belfort never surrendered but the army under bourbaki called the army of the east nearly a hundred thousand strong suffered horribly in the latter days of the struggle it was not included in the armistice made at the close of january eighteen seventy one between bismarck and jules favre for favre was in total ignorance of its position bourbaki attempted suicide his soldiers shoeless tentless and unprovided with provisions pushed into the defiles of the jura in the depths of one of the coldest winters ever known in europe hoping to escape into switzerland eighty thousand men made their way over the mountains fifteen thousand were made prisoners a few escaped to their homes a correspondent who saw them after they reached safety said quote, in all of them pinched features and a slouching gait told of gnawing hunger while their hollow voices told of nights spent on snow and frozen ground some had tied bits of wood under their bare feet to keep them from the stones for weeks none had washed or changed their clothes their hands were black as africans for three days neither food nor fodder had been served out to them and before that they had only got one four-pound loaf among eight men. While men were thus suffering in the mountains, an event of the greatest political importance was taking place at Versailles. On January 19, a week before the capitulation of Paris, the King of Prussia received a deputation from the German Reichstag, offering him the imperial crown of Germany. The federal states of the German Empire up to the close of the last century were 360, many of these were only free cities or extremely small duchies or principalities there was a german emperor and a german diet the latter met always at frankfurt the emperor might be of any family or of any religion his successor was elected during his lifetime to be ready in case of accident and was called king of the romans the emperor was at first chosen by the princes at large but in process of time the choice was made over to nine princes called electors after fourteen thirty eight all emperors of germany were of the house of habsburg the royal family of austria this was not law but custom in the days of napoleon i the old german empire was broken up the title of emperor of germany was discontinued though he who would have borne it still held an imperial title as emperor of austria the small german princes were mediatized that is pensioned and reduced from sovereign princes to the condition of mere nobles in place of three hundred and sixty states there remained thirty-six states composing the german confederation a new german federal constitution was formed the states agreed to defend one another to do nothing to injure one another and to abstain from making war upon one another there were practically seventeen votes in the diet some of the larger states having several and many of the smaller states uniting in the possession of one this constitution also was swept away in eighteen sixty six 
after the brilliant campaign of Sadoa. The great desire of patriotic Germans was to consolidate Germany, to make her strong, and while Prussia, assisted by all the northern German states and by Bavaria, Baden, Württemberg, and Darmstadt, was fighting France, a new federal constitution was formed. The King of Prussia was chosen German Emperor, and the imperial crown was to be hereditary in his family. There is a Diet, or Federal Congress, composed of two houses, the upper house being limited to sovereign princes or their representatives, the other, called the Reichstag, being really the governing power of the nation. Each state is entitled also to its own legislature. In the Reichstag, Prussia has nearly two-thirds of the votes, and its power is much greater than that of our Congress at Washington. The Emperor can veto its decisions only when they affect changes in the Constitution. The Diet can dethrone any Emperor if he is considered incapable of governing, or supposed to be dangerous to the fatherland. Practically, the power of Prussia seems boundless in the Federation. She enforces her military system on all Germany, and the smaller states submit to her for the sake of strength and unity. On January 18, 1871, a deputation of fifty members of the Reichstag came to the King of Prussia's headquarters at Versailles to implore him to accept the imperial crown of Germany. The world's attention was engrossed by the campaign which was then drawing to a close, and the offering of the imperial crown to the Prussian sovereign formed only a dramatic episode in the history of the war. Fortunately, as the deputies passed Paris, shivering in their furs, while transported in carriages of all descriptions, the Parisians made no sortie to intercept them, and they reached Versailles in safety. The French seemed perfectly indifferent on the occasion. Quote, Do as you like, seemed to be the feeling. Have an empire if you think proper. It is no concern of ours. We are glad to have got rid of our own. The day on which the deputies offered their great gift to King William was clear and bright. Before the prefecture at Versailles was planted the Prussian royal standard, a black cross on a ground of gold and purple. Round the gateway stood all the Prussian soldiers who were off duty, waiting to see the deputies pass in. There was no music, but shots boomed from Paris from time to time. There was to be thenceforward one Germany, and one flag for the land of so many princes, who all waved their claims in favour of the greatest among them, he who now stood conqueror in a foreign land. The chief room of the prefecture was filled with men in bright uniforms, with helmets, ribbons, and decorations of all kinds. The king stood near the fireplace, surrounded by princes and generals. The president of the North German Confederation appointed to address him had once before, in 1849, offered the imperial crown to a Prussian king who had declined it. Since then events had ripened. This time the king accepted what his countrymen desired he should receive from them. But he declined to assume the title of emperor until the South German people should express their acquiescence, as the South German princes had already done. We may contrast the conduct of the Prussian king with the unwisdom of the French emperor. Both Napoleon III and the Emperor William governed as autocrats. But with what different men they surrounded themselves, and how differently they were served in their hour of need! Yet Napoleon III was lavish of rewards to his adherents, while the Emperor William was, to an excessive degree, chary of recompense. He seemed to feel that each man owed his all to his Kaiser and his country, and that when he had given all he could only say, in the words of Scripture, quote, I have but done that it was my duty to do. End of section twenty three.